This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. I believe this will raise the standard for every one of us. Isaiah chapter 29, verse 13. Therefore the Lord said, Inasmuch as these people, they draw near me with their mouths. They, they say they're mine. They confess me as Lord. And they, they honor me with their lips. They, they say the right things, but it could better be described as just lip service religion. But they've removed their hearts from me. Your hearts aren't in it. You're just going through the, the motions. Have you ever been there? Are you there right now? And it's very easy to come in here on even a Sunday morning and we can be singing a song, but my mind is on what's for lunch. My mind is on my work schedule for the, the week. Actually, it's easier to say my mind is on everything but God. And I think this is what he's talking about, that it's very easy to get caught up in this. And the prophet Isaiah says, in their fear, their reverence, their worship toward me is taught by the commandments or the rules of men. Their fear toward me consists of the traditions and the rules that man has made. And it's kind of like we're saying, Ooh, I, I settle more for what man thinks, man says, than what God does. And I believe that's why there must be again an influence, an emphasis on the Word of God unlike any other time. You know, I, I said this in the first service that I had read an article here earlier in the week on the nation of Scotland. And years back, the nation of Scotland was one of the most godly nations on our earth, produced some of the most godly men and women. And then just a little bit at a time, God started becoming pushed out. And now Scotland is one of the most ungodly nations on all the earth. And I say that because... I see America happening that way. That many of you will remember when you were a little guy, and this may date you a little bit, but I remember going to school and seeing the Ten Commandments in the hallway and on bulletin boards. And it's a very powerful thing that those Ten Commandments were always before your eyes. But over a period of time, and not, not very long after I got into school, you quit seeing those things. And so it's like year by year by year, the in emphasis on the Bible, the Word of God in our society is getting less and less. But even within the church, it's very easy to just be lip service and my heart's not in it. And I, I look more to what man says than what God says. But God's got some things to say about this. And he said in verse 14, Therefore, behold, I will again do a marvelous work among this people, a marvelous work and a wonder. For the wisdom of their wise men shall perish. The wisdom of fools 
will perish. And he ends this verse, and he says, And the understanding of their prudent men shall be hidden. Their intelligence will vanish. And it's interesting on this right now in our society, we got a lot of people that think they're smarter than God. We know more than God ever thought. They don't say that, but that's in their actions. Verse 15, woe, doom, destruction to those who seek deep to hide their counsel far from the Lord. And if you'll notice what he said, their counsel. Their counsel will try to override God's. And their works, not God's works, but their works are in the dark. And they say, who sees us and who knows us? So when you look at this right here, it's like mankind saying, you know what? We got the inside track. Let's start moving God out of the way. Verse 16. Surely you have things turned around. You got things that are backwards. Shall the potter be esteemed as the clay? The Bible's very clear. God's the potter and we're the clay. But it says, shall the potter be esteemed by the clay? In other words, shall the potter be on equal ground with the clay? Keep reading. For shall the thing made say of him who made it? He did not make me. Well, if he didn't make you, who made you? And I know there's people that say, well, you know what? I'm, I'm evolved from a monkey. Well, good for you. But I choose to think that God created me. And I believe that we never let go of that, that God in Psalm 139 said, I wonderfully and fearfully and skillfully created you, and my thoughts toward you are that of good and not evil to give you a future. But it's interesting right here, when it says here, shall the thing made say of whom made me? He did not make me. And, and we're seeing this in our society right now. And you talk about a twisted version. In Genesis, it says God made them male and female. God didn't say when you come out of the womb, you know what, I'm going to bless you or you can pick and choose. And I know that may not be popular, but I'm not trying to win a popularity contest. I, I believe this is what we need to hear. And it's the love of God. I pray the love of God on people that, that look that way. I'm not saying that to condemn them. But you begin to see this is in motion. And it goes on to say, Or shall the thing formed say of him who formed it? He has no understanding. You know what that literally means? God, you're stupid. Now, this is what we find right here through the prophet Isaiah. So now you begin to see just a little glimpse of why we need to speak on the things of the Bible more and more. Turn with me a couple pages to Isaiah chapter 33. So what happens with this mindset of God didn't create us or we're equal Many within the body of Christ, we, we live with this, what I call counterfeit mercy and grace. And, and the counterfeit mercy and grace, it doesn't exist. 
And what happens with this is we live deceived. We, we literally live faint-hearted, confused, double-minded. Now watch here in Isaiah 33, verse 5, what, what Isaiah spoke of. The Lord is to be exalted and esteemed, for he dwells on high. He is filled Zion with his justice and his righteousness. And so literally stated off those two words, God is just and God is right. Verse 6, wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times. The wisdom and knowledge of Father God will become my stability in the time I live. You know what? You can hang on to the wisdom and the knowledge of God. It doesn't change. He goes on to say, and the strength of salvation, the strength of salvation will be stability in our times. Why, why do we need the strength of salvation? Because there's going to be a thing called eternity. And one day, every one of us are going to get out of here. And when we get out of here, you're going to spend eternity either one or two places. And so I like the thought, the strength, the salvation. You know what that means? I can rest assured my name's registered in heaven. Your name is registered in heaven. But look how he ends verse 6. And the fear of the Lord is his treasure. Better stated, God's treasure is the reverential fear, the worship, the awe factor of him. So when I live with this reverential fear of God, man, it, it will seal his wisdom, his knowledge, and his salvation to understand. Me and you, we're eternal beings, okay? We will spend somewhere in, in eternity. Look with me at James chapter 4. Go into the New Testament with me. James chapter 4. And when we get here to James 4, many of you will say, I've, I've read this verse. But we're going to dive into it a little bit more today. And I believe this will begin to locate us, maybe where we're at right now. James 4, verse number 8. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Now, just off of that statement right there, let me ask you something. Do, do you have a desire to draw closer to God? I do. What, what an invitation here. Now, when he says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you, I, I believe in him saying this, there is a proper way for us to draw near to God. And what I mean by that, I, I think at times in our life, we approach a holy God in a casual manner. We're casual in our behaviors and we're casual in our actions before God. But I want you to follow this real close here, verse 8. And it's kind of like the Lord begins to connect dots to it. So he's saying, do you really want to draw near to me? Yes, we do. So what do we do? Look at the very first thing. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Now we may sit here and think, 
Wow, he's writing to sinners. Actually, 15 times in the book of James, he referenced the word brethren. He's talking right here to people that are born again, and he says, cleanse your hands, you sinners. So a sinner is a person that has missed the mark. A sinner is a person that's off target of what God said. So remember, God lines us up how we're to live. God doesn't line us up how to live to punish us. God lines us up to how to live to bless us. And the more you go on this, the more I live by the word of God, the more blessed I am. So he says, cleanse your hands, you sinners. He doesn't expect for us to be perfect, but listen what he does expect. I need to quit being in persistent, deliberate sin without confessing my sins. Confessing my sins keeps me in right alignment with God. You know, I had a lady who, who stayed with us a couple weeks ago for a night. We've known her a couple years or a number of years now. And she said to me, she said, you know, I've, I've struggled the last about a year and a half with my walk with the Lord. She said, I've questioned if I'm really even born again. You want to be real transparent? Let me ask you this. How many of you question whether you're really born again? I've questioned that before. You know, one of the greatest signs that you're born again, it bothers you when you sin. Before I got born again, it didn't bother me to sin. You know why? Because that's what persistent sinners do. We sin. And I said, you're born again because it bothers you to sin. And you're born again because you still have a desire to get into God's presence. And she said, I do. I believe that's the same for every one of us. But the first step that James said to draw near to God, cleanse your hands, you sinners. Repent of your sins. And look what he says very next. Purify your hearts. The, the problem, he's saying, was your, your inner part, your real you, your heart. Purify your hearts. Lord, come in and purify my heart. Get my heart where it's right toward you. And then he ends here and he says, you double-minded. A double-minded is you're, you're disloyal. You have divided interests. Listen to the definition of a double-minded person. He attempts to hold on to God and the world at the same time. Now, this may hurt. Does that describe you? That I'm a saint on Sunday, but when I go to work on Monday, everybody in the office would be shocked if you told them you were a Christian. See, a double-minded person, he vacillates. I, I, I want to I wanna be part of God's kingdom on Sunday, but the rest of the week, I want to be like a sinner. And so we go back to this, and he says, you want to really draw near to me? Then follow this right here. Now, 
I'm get a big question mark in your heart right now. Where are you at on those three? It's part of drawing near to God. But he doesn't just end there. Now watch what he says here in verse 9. Lament and mourn and weep. And literally what that means, it means to embrace sorrow because of your disloyalty to God. Father God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for just going to the motions. I'm sorry for just being a lip service Christian. I'm sorry, Lord. And let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Better yet, the fun and games are over. It's time to turn back to God. Verse 10. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you, he will lift you up. You know what humility says? I've blown it, Father God. I've missed it. I've messed up. And it's interesting, when me and you approach God with the robe of humility, it said he'll lift you up. A change of heart. And so cosmetic solutions have never been the answer to the problems of my heart. In other words, doing things outwardly doesn't change the heart. I need God to come in and change my heart. And you say, well, you haven't answered really one question yet on the fear of the Lord. Well, we're getting ready to head that way. Turn with me back to the book of Exodus chapter 20 in the Old Testament. And as you're turning to Exodus 20, sometimes when you talk about the fear of the Lord, some people will say, well, when we talk about the fear of the Lord, does God want to scare me? Absolutely not. That's not what the fear of the Lord means. So if you're a student of the Bible, if you start in Exodus 20, that's where Moses was given the Ten Commandments. Not the Ten Multiple Choices. The, the Ten Commandments. And those Ten Commandments, many people will say, well, they're Old Testament. But if you were to go into the New Testament, Matthew 5, you start at verse 21, run roughly through about verse 37, they're still in existence to this day. And so God gives Moses the Ten Commandments. Now, we pick up Exodus 20, verse 18. Now, all the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightnings, the flashing, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and they stood afar off. Now, when I read verse 18, it says, all the people witnessed. They witnessed all that was going on. The thunderings, the lightnings. Do you know there's going to be a day like that's going to happen again? And all the people are going to get a witness this day. And it's interesting that a lot of the people... They stood afar off. Now, they didn't have to, but they chose to. Verse 19. Then they said to Moses, You speak with us, and we will hear you, but let not God speak with us, lest we die. They didn't want to come into the presence of the Lord. 
didn't want to have face-to-face dialogue with the Lord. They didn't want to know the Lord in a personal way. Why not? Why not? Keep reading. Verse 20. And Moses said to the people, he said, Do not fear, for God has come to test you. God has come to prove you. God has come to see what's really, really, really in your heart. And you'll see this word test come up again here this morning before it's over. But I want to highlight for me and you. There's going to be times in my life that I'm going to go through a test. And you're going to go through a test. And the test is to prove what you're really all about. What you really believe. Where your heart's really at. So he said, do not fear for God has come to test you. And that his fear may be before you. His reverential fear may be before you. The the awe factor will be before you. God, God wants to see if the reverential fear for him is on display. And notice what he ends this verse with. So that you may not sin. So if I get this correctly... When I live with the reverential fear of God, not of man, but of God, it does something within me that says, I don't want to sin. I don't want to sin. And so I believe the timing of this is incredible right now that we need within the church a a, a dose of the fear of God. I don't want to sin. Now, what's interesting about these people that had the opportunity to come into God's presence but didn't, these are the Israelites. These were God's chosen. These were the same people who never went into the promised land. Even though they were invited Why did they not go into the promised land? They had a problem with sin. And part of the reason they had a problem with sin, they didn't live with the reverential fear of God. So in a roundabout way, we're very similar to them. Now I want you to think about the Israelites. Where are you at, God? We need you, God. Don't you see we're hungry? We want Samantha, we want a quail dinner, we want bottled fresh water. Topo Chico again. Show up, God, give us what we want. Now, we don't want to be in. We don't want to draw near to you. We don't want you to bring up, cleanse our hands, cleanse our hearts, double mutt. We just want you to do what we want you to do, God. So it's that gumball machine mentality. I put my quarter in there and God, you owe me a gumball. The result of the lack of fear of God. Do you not think this isn't alive and well in America right now? This may be a bold statement, but I'm going to make it anyway. We may be the most privileged people on the earth right now. 
You think about how blessed we are. We don't have a clue what goes on around the world in third world countries. We're so blessed, but we treat God in such a dishonoring, lack of reverence mentality. And so when I read this right here, I thought that his fear may be before you so that you may not sin. Father God, I don't want to sin. Grace me at the fear of the Lord. So the first thing you get off the fear of the Lord is the fear of the Lord is a grace that keeps me from sinning. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis 22. Now, you've got to pray for me that I don't jump the gun, okay? I, I got, this, this is four months that I've been on this right now. Man, the Lord has blessed me with so much stuff that you've got to come each week and you'll hear different parts of the fear of the Lord every week. So I'm going to give you one more this morning. And I believe this will stir within you. So here in Genesis 2, or Genesis 22, you have a, a man named Abraham and his wife Sarah. And remember, they had believed God forever for a, a child. And Abraham, he's approaching 100, and Sarah's almost 90. And they finally have this promised child named Isaac. And can you imagine how Elated they were. Oh, we got this child. And you think about in here as parents, your children. Woo, your children. So we pick up here in Genesis 22, verse 1. Now it came to pass after these things that God what? He tested Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham... And Abraham said, here I am. And the statement, here I am, denotes readiness and the fear of the Lord. Now, when the Lord speaks to you and says, Gloria, Gloria, do you respond at all? Do you say, not, not, not right now, Lord, I'm busy. It's interesting that the man of God, Abraham, said, here I am. Verse 2, then the Lord said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer them there as a burnt offering on one of them mountains of which I shall tell you. Can you imagine what Abraham just heard? Go offer your only son, Isaac. And so, Abraham had been around God enough that when God gives you a commandment, you only have two options. You either obey or you disobey. And we go back to verse 1 and he said, a test. And when God gives you a test, you can't cheat on a God test, okay? And so he has to go before him. And he has to hear what God says. 
You know what God just said to him in verse 2? I want your heart, Abraham. And you know what he's literally saying here? Are you really serving me? Or are you serving the gift? You're serving the promise. You're serving the calling. Or are you really serving me? And it's a question we got to ask. Yeah, I'm, I'm serving God. No, you're not serving God. You're serving your job. You're serving your money. And I think this is a locator for every one of us. The same thing with Abraham. What are you serving? Who are you serving? Verse 3. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey, took, took his sons, young men with him, Isaac his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering. He rose and went to the place which God had told him. Now, when you see here on verse 3 that he saddled that donkey early in the morning, you know what that means? He was prompt in his obedience. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Partial obedience is disobedience. And it ended in verse 3 and it said, and God had told him. So when God tells me and you stuff through the scriptures, through the word of God, oftentimes as human beings, you know what we say? Well, I better go pray about it. You don't need to pray about what God's already told you to do. Well, you know what? I, I have a prayer committee. I'm going to call them and see what they all think. So you're going to allow the prayer committee to override what God told you? And, and when I read this, it's incredible with this guy named Abraham that he obeyed instantly. He didn't say, you know what? I'm going to think about it. I'll meditate. He obeyed. And see, many times we, we want what Abraham has. We just don't want to do what Abraham did to get it. And so me and you, if you've read this whole passage, you know how it ends up. But Abraham did. So I want you to see something here. His obedience. Obedience is in my actions honors in my attitude you can obey God with your actions but you can have a crappy attitude about it what do you mean I'm going to do it God but I don't want to do it it's not fair what you ask me to do how about this when you tell your child to take out the trash and they do it out of obedience, their action. But all the way to their dumpster, they're saying, that's not fair. Sally should have had to done it. Jack had to do it. See, it's very easy to get over that. But I want you to see in here something. I never see that with Abraham. I never see him saying, unfair, unfair. Verse 4. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey and the lad, and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. The word worship right there is the first time in Scripture that that word's been used. So Abraham said, 
me and Isaac, we're going to go yonder and we're going to worship and we'll come back. So what do you mean by worship? We're going to go up and sing Kumbaya. We're going to go up and sing Jesus loves me and then we're going to come back. See, you're going to begin to see something here, what the real definition of worship is. So we keep reading. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it on Isaac his son, and took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two men, and the two of them went together. Woo, the heat's on. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, he said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? The heat is really on now. And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself for the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place which God had told him and Abraham built an altar there, placed the wood in order and bound Isaac and son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. The heat is really on now. Do I cave in when life gets tough? And then Abraham stretched out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and he said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am, still ready and still the reverential fear of God. Here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the ladder, do anything for, to him. Now watch this, watch this. For I now know that you fear God since you've not withheld your son, your only son. I know now that you fear God. The proof of the pudding was his full obedience without hesitation to say, Father God, I will obey you at one of the most costly times in my life. So right now, we get another definition of the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is to obey God in the tight times, the tight seasons of my life. Whew, how are we doing? And I, re I believe one of the reasons this is so timely to speak on, because we live in a society right now that for you to serve God and obey him quickly and quietly, you're going to get persecuted. You're going to be frowned upon. Can I give you a little insight? Stay with the call. Stay on track. Stay with God. You know, we had some situations for about two weeks that went on. And this may help you. Some of you may be in the same situation. Feels like all hell's broke loose. Anybody had two weeks like that? I had two weeks like that. I've had all hell's. And early Tuesday morning, we were up and we were drinking coffee. And Shelly looked at me and we began to talk. And I said, you know what we do? When the going gets tough, we stay with the call. We stay with God. We're not going to waver. We're not going to jump ship. We're going to stay with God. And when I read this, I think, now I know that you fear me. Whew. 
this is incredible. I mean, our, our view of persecution as Americans, when I get caught at two traffic lights at five o'clock, we about lose our salvation. I feel like I'm persecuted if I've got to go north of 82nd Street on Saturday with all the people. I'm like, this isn't right, God. We think we're being persecuted when lightning knocks out our, our TV. But I look at this guy and I think, no wonder why he is this man of faith. But it doesn't end there. Keep ready. I'm almost done. Maybe. Verse 13, then Abraham lifted his eyes and he looked there and behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went, took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide her, Jehovah Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Why'd you read that? God revealed himself as Jehovah Jireh to Abraham. But he didn't reveal himself as Jehovah Jireh to Abraham until Abraham had shown him, I fear you, Lord. See, many times again, Father God, I, I want you to be Jehovah Jireh in my life. I, I want you to be my provider. God, I'm, I'm up for promotion. I'm, I'm really needing your favor. But we don't want to obey him. And when I don't obey him, you know what that reveals? A lack of fear of God. But when I fear God... God, God tells his secrets to his friends and his friends are those who fear God. Wow. Do you see why I believe this is so important? I've welcomed the fear of God. I'm telling you, I've been in here for months now knowing this is what I'm going to speak on and the Lord's been so great. There's days I come in here I don't know if I'm supposed to open my eyes. I don't know if I'm Daniil or about. Sometimes I just get real still and think, I just don't want to die right now. I welcome the fear of God. Why don't you stand up here with me? It's interesting, and he calls it the fear of the Lord. He didn't say the fun of the Lord. And we live in a society where people think church ought to always be fun. Well, I don't want to use the word fun. I want to use joy. When people get born again, I get a lot of joy. You know why? Because I know they're going to spend eternity in heaven. And when we play for this thing called eternity, things aren't always fun, okay? And I hate to be the barrier of bad news to you. Sometimes we need to hear the truth where we look and say, Father God, I desire your presence. 
But he only shows up where he's reverenced and he's honored. So we backtrack just a little bit. Am I a lip service Christian? Is my heart far from you today, Lord? Have, have I dis, have, have I begun to downplay you in favor of mankind? Well, this is what man says. And then we jump to James 4. What an invitation to draw near. And remember, he said, cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your heart, you double-minded. And that may be you. That may be every one of us today to say, man, Lord, I want to draw near to you. I can't draw near to him. When I have persistent, unconfessed sin in my life. And so he's raising the standard. He's saying, come on, come on, come on, come on. And then we jump to Exodus 20. The fear of the Lord is a grace that keeps me from sinning. I don't want to sin. And then we jump to Genesis 22, which was just loaded. I know you fear me by the way you obey me. What type of grade do we get? Someone asked you to bow your head right there where you're at. See, it's very easy to come in here with a very casual attitude, a casual belief. You know what? I believe sometimes there's more etiquette at the movie theater than there is in the house of God. They'll run you out at the theater. You have your phone on in there. They may even crucify you. I'm kind of joking. But yet we come into the house of God. And we don't honor him. We don't reverence him. This is another area, I believe, why we've got to speak on these things. That we're having a generation and another generation that grows up. They don't have a clue what the fear of the Lord is. And so as our team gets ready to sing here right now, man, if this is you, can you hear the Lord whispering, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. Come on, come on. Come on closer to me. I want to come closer to you. Come on, come on. I, I'm, I'm still looking for modern day Moseses. I'm still looking for modern day Abrahams. But I got to live with the fear of God. And so as they begin to sing here, I, I worship you. It may be a fresh touch that said, Lord, rain on me this. I, I need, I need the reverential fear. I need the all factor of come alive within me today. Go ahead, guys. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.